Welcome to another episode of Hitting Pay Dirt by Impact Sports. This is episode number three. I am Alex Beaudry, and I would like to welcome back Michael to the podcast. What's up, everyone? Hope you missed me. <laughs> I'm sure they did. It was pretty uh, pretty technical on Wednesday, <laughs> so I'm sure people are, are looking forward to having more of a natural conversation. So, uh, Color today, guy. They wanted the color guy. They wanted the color guy, yeah. They didn't want to hear uh, Professor Beaudry with the, with the lecture. <laughs> uh, so today, uh, I'm actually going to kick it over to Mike. I'm going to let him run the show a little bit. I'm a little on edge. I don't know what's coming my way. But he's got a series of questions for me, and he's going to kind of facilitate, and I'm going to do my best to answer whatever it is that he might throw my way. So, uh, so, so Mike, take it away. I love it. Uh, at so first of all, Alex, thank you. Um, you're a brave soul. Just giving me the reins on this. Uh, I actually asked him before this podcast. I was like, Alex, you want to like go through and like just see these questions, or is there like, do you want to know like the topics, anything specifically? He's like, nope. Like, let's just do it. Like, let's make it natural. It's like, all right, cool. Uh, so you are a brave soul, sir. Uh, not many people would give me that. Uh, that type of power. Um, so, well, I have final cut. So if it sucks, I can just cut what I don't want out. Very true. <laughs> that's that's so true. Uh, what does that say about <laughs> so many things about me? Um, okay. So, but this isn't about me. So today, episode three, um, we're just going to ask Alex a series of questions. And really, I want to just focus on like success. So I want to talk about like growing up, so childhood all the way through like college, I want to touch on. So undergrad and what goes into success, right? Because we think about entrepreneurs and we think about like successful people, the Elon Musks of the world, the Jeff Bezos of the world. First of all, I'm flattered that I'm in that company. That that <laughs> that you're in that elite company, right? Uh, but successful individuals, there's not a one size fits all glove. That people are like, yeah, this person did this, so they will be successful or, you know, vice versa. Like you look at like serial killers in Wisconsin and you think about certain commonalities that they have not putting you in that category at all. Um, Appreciate that as well. <laughs> but some of the commonalities, right? So I want to just take like take some time and talk about Alex Beaudry as a child, mm. uh, Alex Beaudry college decisions and then like kind of how you got to where you are today right like real successful um our boy here is a little bit bashful uh but we're gonna do our best to get it out of alex uh because really like you can light up a room right like alex can walk into a room smile and like light up a room so i want to get that out of alex today uh and i want us to whoever is listening here how do you become successful and what are those ingredients? So just a little backstory. Um, Alex and I have known each other for, I think we alluded to this on the first episode, but we've known each other for 10 plus years. Met at, of all places, like in undergrad, beer pong tournament. Yep. 
Um, and like priorities at 19 shift from priorities to today, right? So like what what you're chasing at 18 and 19 probably isn't what you're chasing today. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no, but, but I think I can put those words in your mouth. Fairly true. And my wife would appreciate that as well. <laughs> so Alex, like, let's talk about your childhood. So just let's talk about like, who is Alex? Like, how were you as a child? Like shyness? Were you like outgoing, a troublemaker? Sure. So, uh, and, and they're going to listen to this because I, I, my dad, after episode one, already told me to cool it on the language. So, <laughs> so apparently, uh, uh, didn't like the, <laughs> the use of certain words. So dad, if you're listening, uh, I'll try and be better. But, um, I, I grew up, um, with upper middle class, um, with my mom, uh, primarily being the breadwinner. My mom grew up, um, came from a real kind of salt of the earth background, uh, Northern Wisconsin. Um, and then was, I think the first person in her family to go to college. Um, and then worked in the insurance business, eventually partnered up with a couple of other guys, had her own company and then sold it, um, to the current company that I work for. My dad grew up on the North side of Milwaukee went to Pius High School. Um, my dad actually fired my mom. Um, true story. Uh, <laughs> um, so they, my dad, growing up, he he was a manager at Cole's Food Stores, if anybody in Wisconsin remembers Cole's, fo- Cole's Food Stores. R.I.P. Cole's Food Stores. Yeah. Um, Green sign, were, white letters. That's right, with the arch. I don't know if you remember those arches. Um, so the storefront. Yes, yeah, so if you like drive past today and you see those arches, those are all old Cole's Food Stores. Um, that was like the primary, the primary, um, thing for them. Uh, but my dad and my mom worked together. My dad was the manager and my dad wanted to ask my mom out and said, you know, well, we can date or, you know, you can work here. And then, you know, the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually I was, you know, born a a few years later, but you know, with my mom's success, uh, my dad's hard work, um, I, I lived, what most would call, you know, a privileged or, or, or pretty good life growing up. When it comes to me as my, uh, you know, as school or whatever, I was always naturally good at school. Um, I think back even to like elementary school, I, I, I went to a small Catholic school, um, but I graduated top of that 30 person class, you know, student council, sports played soccer growing up played a little bit of football always just kind of naturally gifted didn't have to work for much um which i'm not saying that's that's good or bad and and in some ways as you get older it gets worse um i think it's both to be honest yeah it depends on how you treat it right um and as i got into high school kind of the same thing i i never had to study for a test i I was just naturally a good test taker. I could listen to like a lecture and I knew what the teachers were getting at. And then when I saw the questions on a test, I was just really good at taking tests. You just remembered what you heard and you could recite that or keep it in the bank long enough to 
to take the exam and then yeah if if you could see my high school notebooks most of them were blank <laughs> like the first three pages are yeah, filled out and with like, maybe hey. some of those weird superman s's that every kid drew yeah. <laughs> like I, I i never had to take notes um i never had to study i would do my homework like the morning of so like once i could drive myself to school i'd get to school at like seven o'clock bang out my homework and then just go from there study halls i'd screw around um which got me to a point right so i, I took ap classes had a i think like a 3.7 3.8 G, gpa which was top 10 percent in my high school i think which again great school i could pretty much go anywhere i wanted to go to college other than the Stanford's, the Harvard's, you know, those sure. types of things, but it wasn't for me anyway. I wasn't going to Stanford or Harvard. Um, so that all worked out up into a point. And I think the first time it kind of hit me was like my senior year, I was taking AP calculus and that was the first class that I was like, whoa, this is a little bit outside of my league here. Like I might have to work for this is what yes. you're saying. And I didn't. So, but you know, again, I was good enough where I could skate by and I think I got like a B and then when you're an AP, that counts as an A. So like I, <sighs> I, I did the bare minimum. I also love that your bare minimum is a B. <laughs> yeah. Well back. So in grade school, I used to get upset cause I had kids, I had friends who would, you know, they would get an A two B's and like all C's and their parents would like give them like five bucks for an A and like, you know, th like that was good. And I would go home with like five A's and a B and my mom would be pissed that I got the B and it's like, I'm thinking Alex, like, why? Yeah. And I'm thinking like my friends got, you know, rewarded and I'm getting, you know, scolded for the one, the one thing. So as a kid, you don't really under understand it and you know, you know, it kind of is what it is and I, I wouldn't have changed anything like that well you live report card to report card as a kid right oh, like, quarter to quarter yep yeah i forgot about that quarters and then i think we had trimesters for a little bit too oh not us we just had quarters mm. stroman's is uh <laughs> innovating uh some report card schedules there yeah but you know i i kind of lived off of just being naturally smart or i don't know if i don't even know if smart's the right word but just good at taking tests and knowing how to play the game. So, but in, in a lot of ways that, that almost hurt me. And what I mean by that is once I got to college, so, um, when I, so I, I applied to two schools, I applied to Marquette and I applied to Purdue. I love um, that. So walk us through like the thought process behind like both of those schools maybe choices as to why you chose Marquette and Purdue? Yeah. So um, my mom went to Marquette. It's a local school, good private school. At the time had a phenomenal basketball program. Um, we're talking right after, you know, the Dwayne Wades, the Travis Deaners, the Steve Novaks. Um, and then my freshman year at Marquette, they had um, – like Dominic James, Dominic James, mind. Darrell McNeil, Wes Matthews. Yeah. That was that class, right? Um, so they had a great basketball program and they were local. And I've always kind of been a homebody. So being close to home was kind of important. Um, but when I applied to Purdue, so my high school was one of the first schools to have, it was called Project Lead the Way. 
it was like an engineering program. So I actually took engineering classes in high school. And I thought, you know, this could be something that I could have a career in. So I applied to Purdue because they have a top-notch engineering program. I mean, one of the best. Um, MSOE, Milwaukee School of Engineering here in Milwaukee, is also very good. But when I toured that campus, it's like 88% men and like 12% women, or at least it was back 10, 15 years ago when I was looking at colleges. And I was like, mm, that ain't for me. Ratio is so, not right. No, wrong ratio. Um, so Purdue is a state school. It's a Big Ten school. Um, and like most of the NASA astronauts went to Purdue. I don't know if people know that. Like they have a s extremely strong aeronautics engineering program down there. And I was like, you know, this could be something that I would want to do. But when you drive into Purdue from Milwaukee, it's cornfields. And then you come over a hill into West Lafayette and then there's Purdue. And then if you keep driving, it's more cornfields. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how I feel about moving away from home into this small college town. So I ended up choosing Marquette. But when I went to Marquette, I had dreams of being a doctor. So again, this goes back to the, <laughs> the, the natural ability thing. And I do not have a natural ability when it comes specifically to chemistry. So, um, and you know, you, you mentioned priorities and, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, mm -hmm. but when I started in college, you know, your first chemistry class, you're not with 15 other kids. Oh, you're no. with 200 other kids yeah. in that one lecture in a big lecture hall sharing that professor amongst like 200 other like like four other series of that right like yep you have 800 kids that are taking yep. that one course. and and, you, and your professor doesn't give a shit if you're there or not i mean we had the little clicky remotes where they like take attendance by quizzes and shit mm -hmm. but other than that he couldn't tell you who you are you know no faces to no, names right absolutely not and i took full advantage of that um but then, you know, you get your first test back, and I think I got like a C minus, and I was like, holy shit. Uh, sorry for the swearing, Dad. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, my God, like how am I going to to do this? And so I had to, you know, I, I kind of learned early, okay, I got to like actually work at this. I got to study. People aren't going to look over my shoulder. Um, but I struggled in that first year, that first semester chemistry course. And when I talked to my advisor, when I came picking second year courses, she's like, you know, if, you, if you're serious about medical school, like you have to take four years of chemistry and it only gets more complicated. If you don't have a base understanding of basic chemistry, how are you going to take organic chemistry and the other levels of chemistry that I mean, come after that? Yeah. So I did what any rational human would do. And I said, I'm not going to be a doctor. So, <laughs> so then I said, all right, well, what's the next best option? Well, lawyer. And I think that's how most lawyers become lawyers is they're not smart enough to become doctors. <laughs> uh, at least that's true for me. So, um, so I switched my major. I was originally a physiology major. Um, I immediately switched to become like a pre-law, even though Marquette didn't really have a pre-law designation. Um, so I, but I, I picked criminology and law studies, which, mm -hmm. uh, was much more in my wheelhouse, much more writing based, much more, I got it. But that's like the feeder program. 
kind of for like the lack of a better term, the feeder program into law school. Yeah. Well, ish, ish. I mean, if you, with a criminology degree, you kind of have two choices. You can become a cop or you can go to law school. And I never really had an interest in becoming a cop. I mean, I love cops. I appreciate them like back the blue all the way, but that's not me. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to have other people handle that for me. My, my intention was to get into law school after that first semester because I've always had kind of grand aspirations for my life, kind of like always had those bigger goals, even though I may have not put in the effort as much as I should have at the time. Like I knew I wanted something more. So when I switched to criminology and law studies, it was a much better fit. I minored in psychology, so I still got a little bit of that science type stuff. Um, but that's kind of how I got through college. And again, though, I did the bare minimum to be good, right? So, uh, be, well, let's take a step back. High school, I was like the perfect kid. I never drank, never went to parties. I, I, I didn't want to risk it. One, I was terrified of my mother. And two, I didn't want any blemishes on my record. Just a straight old choir boy. Straight laced, you know. Choir boy, yes, altar boy. Yep. Wasn't going to do any of that. Once I got to college and that kind of all switched, uh, let the hair down a little bit, um, definitely drank my fair share. Wisconsin's a big drinking state, and I took that probably a couple steps too far. <laughs> um, <laughs> Marquette's kind of a party school, right? It is. I mean, when it when it gets cold out, it's dark by four thirty. There's not much else to do, um, other than you know you drink. Um, Shout out to Caffrey's and uh, yeah. Murphy's. Those places aren't the same anymore. But yes, those were the two <laughs> bars on campus, and um, you know I hung out with a crowd that drank, and we had a ton of good times. Um, and that was probably a a priority at the time was like, how can I enjoy this experience as much as possible? And then when it came to school it is how can I do well enough? But, you know, being a 4.0 valedictorian was never my goal when it came to school. I was mm-hmm. much more interested in the social scene, but also knowing that I wanted to go to law school and you can't just get into law school by applying. You, you, you know, you have to have a decent resume you have to have letters of recommendation from your professors. So if you don't, you know, talk to your professors, you know, it's going to be it's going to be challenging. So I did take it serious, but I would also wait until the night before to write a twenty-page term paper. Um, but juggling those priorities, right? Like I think we're touching on something really important that a lot of people that go to undergrad all at some point, whether it's a large or a small adjustment they go through the same thing because hearing you talk about it i can kind of relate to some of it especially the chemistry aspect right like you're challenged in college and you have so many other things swirling we didn't have snapchat we didn't i mean we had facebook but it's not the facebook or the meta that that (laughs) that that we know of today so all of those distractions all of those things right? Like you pick colleges and I even think about it, like the things that motivated me when I was 18 and very much with you, the beer girls. And then how do I get a good enough grade 
so that I can continue chasing beer and girls. So you can get a job, right? And yes. pay for those hobbies. Exactly. And I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think there's a large adjustment. I think people go through that in undergrad where there's there's a shock to your system where you could have been like a st- top student in your high school. You go to college just like with sports. You're with thousands of top students. Exactly. From everywhere. So how how do you make that adjustment? And I think that speaks volumes to just life yeah. in general. Um, so I want to just touch on that a little bit because you talked about getting like a, a B or a C in one of your college classes, right? Mm-hmm. To some people that like, oh man, like I could get so down on myself. Like, I can't believe I let myself get a C. Like so many different things could go on in your head. How do you prioritize that? Or how do you, how do you think about, I still want to go out on Thursday, Thursday. I still want to have fun with my friends on Friday. I still like, want to <laughs> chase girls. I still want to go to Caffrey's and do yeah. those things that everyone else is doing, but I need to keep my grade because that's what's keeping me here. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm the perfect person to ask this but um when i think about you know priorities you are at college to do a job right and your job your only job really is to get assuming you're not an athlete is to get good grades doing the dr evil quotes right now by the way like to get good grades yes whatever that means right (laughs) um you know when it comes to like you get a bad test score that stuff never bothered me for too long because there's nothing you can do about it. Once you get that score, once you take that test, it it's over. I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do about it. So to sit there and dwell on it and think, oh my God, my life is ruined, I think is a little bit short-sighted. I would also tell anybody who's interested in this, who thinks you need a 4.0 to do whatever it is you want to do outside of a few narrow fields, that's probably not true. Um, And I think if you do have that social aspect to college, like who you know will probably get you much further than what you know, unfortunately. I love that you're bringing this up, by the way. it's, it's, It's so true. And I think even back to... Or, or even fast forwarding to now, when I went to law school, I, I mentioned in the first episode that Marquette had a specific sports law program. I did not do a good enough job of leveraging that. I mean, law schools across the country have impressive internships with local professional sports teams or you know certain networking events. And when I went to law school, again, kind of the theme up until this point is I did what I had to do and really not much more. Um, Relying on that natural ability as kind of a a crutch. Um, But if you are going to school, whether it's college or law school, the networking aspect of your days in school are probably the most important thing. Um, Because once you do get a job, like you can get a high paying job doing almost anything. Uh, insurance is a great example. Like people don't understand how much money is in insurance. And if you have, if you are sociable enough and you can learn that skill, you can be extremely successful in it to the point where you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, if not more. 
I mean, I know salespeople in this industry that make millions of dollars a year. And I would, if I had to guess, and I'm speaking in generalities here, if I had to guess, I'm guessing those are very average students. But you learn a product or you learn a company very well, and then you develop the more personal skills, which are getting rarer and rare, is rarer a word? More rare. rare. Sandy San Diegans. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those those personal skills, I mean, everything's going so tech driven and everything's email based and text message based. If you can have a normal conversation with someone, if you can just walk into a bar or a restaurant and talk to somebody and make it natural and make them feel like they're being heard and listened to, you can do almost anything move mountains right yeah it, it's it's a, it's a lost skill and you know so that's why people you know maybe knock the partying in college and those types of things but if you can learn how to be just a normal human being in today's age uh you can be really successful at whatever your chosen field is and i think that's <clears throat> i think you're touching on something because you think about going to parties and the social aspect because i'm i'm very much with you I was never a top student in anything. Well, that's, that's actually not true. I went to MPS for a year, uh, and I was the top student um, in MPS. I don't know what that says about MPS. but um, So there was a year where, where, where I was in the upper echelon, but otherwise uh, I was never a top student. I was never like bottom of the barrel either. But really what, what hooked me was the social aspect so playing sports, like what I just think about when I transferred high schools, like I got to know people that played soccer, that people that played basketball, tennis. And then now I have a huge friend circle. And then now those cross-functional relationships. Well, now, oh, I know somebody that played soccer at like uh, another Woodland Conference school. Or I know Ben, who now knows Alex. And like, this is how we met just that small walkie feel where there are so many different people you network that that now becomes so valuable to somebody who's getting out of college and well and to take it one step further once you get into the business world it's not just who you know but it's how you can help who you know mm-hmm. and i think today too many people look into a networking relationship and I've and I've been guilty of this too so I don't want to make it seem like I'm, you know, high and mighty here. But I think most people like when they're at a networking event, they go into it who can I meet that can help me? Right? Who can I talk to that's going to give me my next job or give me my next promotion? And if you can just flip it and think who am I going to meet on who I can help? and if you help one person at every networking event that one person will never forget you and the next time they need something or they know somebody who needs something you will be the person they think of so instead of thinking about it who can what can i get out of this relationship think of what can i give out of this relationship even if you're just an undergrad student and you're at a a networking event you may have a skill or you may know somebody in your family circle or whatever it might be that may be able to help somebody else and if you can make that connection, you will be like a linchpin in this social web. And all of a sudden that web's gonna start working for you, whether that's in sales, which 
Um, we could probably talk about sales in a little bit, but like if you want to do anything, learn how to do sales. Whether you want to start your own company, whether you just want to be in IT, eventually you're going to have to sell somebody on something. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that's just being able to help people and then being able to communicate how you can help those people. So um, that's how I think about networking. And yes, it's good to know people, but it's also, I think, flipping it from what can I get to what can I give. And it, once you switch that paradigm, I think your world will change. That's so interesting because when you think about cutthroat businessmen or you think about businessmen that are at the top of their game i don't know to me a couple people come to mind but they're cutthroat so then that type of business is very i'm gonna get the best deal that i can and it's very egotistical and egocentric but when i hear you talk about it really you're providing a solution to somebody it it's a good deal for everyone like when you are selling something or you're working with a business to provide certain types of health insurance how can we help each other is yeah. what i'm hearing and i i think the the cutthroat like image of like the billionaire ceo is overplayed in hollywood i i again i don't know any of these people but i i would guess if you look at an extremely successful ceo they're probably either extremely serving, and what I mean by that is they are looking out for each other or other people. What service can I provide to change the world? I think of Steve Jobs, right? And everybody knows Steve Jobs is kind of the Steve Apple. Steve Apple, yeah. But you know, kind of that that like hard nosed, driven genius, but was a hard ass, which is all true. But he also knew what products were going to change the world. So instead of thinking about how can I be like Steve Jobs from the aspect of I'm going to wear black turtlenecks and I'm going to be a hard ass, which, yes, he was. Shout out to Elizabeth Holmes right now oh, in her there in Australia in wearing, wearing, wearing black turtlenecks trying to be Steve Apple. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Is she in prison? I'm not sure. I think she's that on trial, trial. Yeah, I think that trial's still going on. Allegedly, um, that's so funny because like that—that's like you played an image, right? Like yeah. I was just playing an image, but without any of the substance behind it. And like, if people really want to know who Steve Jobs is, read Walter Isaacson's biography of Steve Jobs. Like, yes, he was a hard ass. Yes, he did not take any bullshit. And if you weren't up living up to his standards, he was gonna like remove you but that's not what made apple great it's not steve jobs managerial style in fact i would go one step further where if steve jobs was a better leader it could have even went even further steve jobs was a genius and he knew which products to go all in on like the iphone like the ipad well the iPod. ipod yes and he went all in on those for and and they were wildly successful. I mean, the guy built two billion dollar companies, two separate billion dollar companies in Apple and Pixar. Um, so the guy was definitely a genius, but he he looked at the world uh, uh, as a way of how can I reach as much value to as many people as possible? And now it's, I mean, you walk down the street, I don't know what their market share is, 80% of people have an iPhone, the other 20% weirdos that have Androids. Like, um, it's just, it's true. And I think 
So instead of looking at it as like, how can I be cutthroat? How can I be, you know, like the CEO that Hollywood portrays? I would guess if you actually met those people and actually talked to them, they're much more of what I would call a leader in the fact that they listen to their staff, they listen to their teams, they're caring about their people, they want those people to succeed because if they weren't, they would probably be run out of their own companies, a la Steve Jobs. So I, I think you got to be careful with that that image of a CEO because I don't think that's true in most cases. And yeah, agreed. If you if there's a bad business deal or right, cutthroat business and you get shafted on a deal, you're not going to do business with that person again. No. Or you're not going to be prone to doing business with that person again. So being authentic, if I'm reading between the lines, what I'm hearing is authentic leadership, caring, being genuine, um, and just having like a natural curiosity, which I think you have, like you're able to ask the right questions. You're able to get to where you want to, like, you want to solve a problem. I have a problem. This is what I need to do. Let me ask some questions to get to the root of that. I think you naturally have that curiosity. Well, and I learned very early on that your reputation is everything. Whatever industry you're in, it's small. The number of competitors you have from a company standpoint, probably between five and 15. And you're all calling on the same potential prospects, your, your own potential customers. And if something doesn't go your way and you throw a temper tantrum or you cuss somebody out or you cut a corner and you cheat to get a deal, that may work one time. It ain't going to work again. And then you develop that reputation. And now the next person you call knows not to take your call. It's not a sustainable business model. No. And and I think people look to the short term and think, oh, if I can cut this corner, I can get that next deal. But they don't think about it long term. What happens when your reputation is ruined and now you are in a, now you have to look for a new industry? It's so important. And, and I think about that in my current role in the health insurance world. Like it's, it's, it's too small. All of my customers talk to each other. I, I, I run into five or six different companies. If I burn a bridge, like I'm done. And, and now I think about that in the context of potentially being an NFL agent. There's only 1,800 players in the NFL, and they're all in a locker room with somebody. So you screw over one client, you screw over one team, you just screwed over one out of 32. I'm not good at math, but those numbers aren't great. No, it's not. And they all talk. So you pull one over on somebody, you don't return a phone call, whatever it might be, like you're just digging your own grave. I love that you touched on being reputable because I think that's something, that's a skill that's overlooked because we touched on writing a 20-page paper starting it at, 11 p.m. when it's due at midnight yeah not advisable <laughs> um, but i have done it <laughs> so i i think the majority of people that are listening to this podcast at some point in their lives have procrastinated 100 percent. how how do you so talking about being reputable how <clears throat> how how do you build that how do you focus on i'm going to get an email at 9 p.m or i'm i'm working and 
I have a client, I have a business, I have a prospect that I potentially reached out to on Instagram and it's midnight and I just got a response. You're doing hard 75, which I'll let you talk about in a second, which I think is helping like just build accountability um, in so many different factors in business, fitness, and then I think just self-improvement in general. How does that help your self-accountability, keeping yourself accountable in the larger scheme of things within what you're trying to pursue now? It's it's tough. I think like when it comes to email or responding to messages or hitting a deadline, whatever that is. Okay. So if it comes to hitting a deadline, again, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because, and I'm getting better about this, but pro, I am a procrastinator. I, I always <laughs> live by the model diamond, you know, pressures, pressure makes diamonds. And that time crunch helps me focus. Probably not the best strategy and something I'm continuing to work on and I'm getting better about, but, um, I've also lived under the mantra that deadlines cannot be missed. So, you know, you, let's take the term paper. For example, I took a history of East Asia class, my sophomore year of college. I had a 20 page paper due at 8 AM on a Friday. I started at 10 o'clock on Thursday night. And I had two monsters and I stayed up the entire night and did all my research, wrote my paper, footnotes, everything. And I had that paper in on time and I got an A on it, which probably didn't help me in the long term because now I just realized that I can do this. And, you know, that was now a strategy moving forward. Again, not a good strategy. But understanding that those deadlines can not be missed. And if I'm going to procrastinate and I'm going to, you know, screw around, I'm going to be responsible for those decisions, but I'm still going to get it done. And I think that's the important piece. And I think that's something that's lacking now. When I think about my professional career up to this point, I can't tell you how many times a vendor misses a deadline. And they, the worst part is they don't communicate about it. Like, oh yeah, we'll get this back to you in, in 24 to 48 hours. And then now it's five days later and I'm following up with an email going, mm -hmm. where is this? Where that could have been stopped after the first 24 hours saying like, hey, this is taking longer than expected. I'll get back to you with an update by Y or Z, whatever it might be. Um, so I think, you know, procrastination, not a great skill, I, not one that I would encourage anybody to have, but just understanding that no matter how you behave, that deadline cannot be missed and you should be putting forth your best effort. So that's how I look at, look at it from, from that standpoint. When I think about email, particularly, I think what hurts people today in every walk of life is the expectation that if I get an email, it needs to be responded to in the next 15 minutes. Like that. Yeah. Yep. It, and, and that's not the case. Um, Tim Ferriss has a phenomenal um, book slash podcast slash speech on this and i would encourage everybody to check it out he actually just reposted it um it's his south by southwest speech from 2007 and it's based on his book the four hour work week he he, he has his automatic replies on 
and says, hey, I will answer email. Thank you for your message. If it's, if it's something that's super urgent, please call my cell phone. If it's not, please know that I will respond to emails between the hours of 11 and 1. I think that's brilliant. You're setting the expectation. Here's what I'm going to read email and here's where I'm going to send it. Because I think about, just think about your work day. And now everybody's got two monitors. You could be working on a project that's important. But now you get this quote unquote urgent email and it dings and it takes all your attention. You stop what you're doing here to answer whatever email just came up. And now when you come back to this, you have to remember what it was you were doing. Shit, where was I? Yeah, where yeah. was I? Where was I going with this? What windows did I have opened? Yeah. yeah. Where did I leave off? And that project suffers. And that project's probably actually very important as opposed to whatever email just came in. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm not far enough along in the NFL stuff to comment on that. But I think when you talk about, you know, email or messages, it's finding a balance on what is acceptable. Like, do you really need to get back to that email within the first 15 minutes? Or is it something you can get to later in the day? Um, and as long as your clients know what that expectation is, then you're okay. If you sell yourself on, I'm going to get back to you right away, then you better get back to them right away because otherwise you're under-delivering on your promise. 100%. And so I love what you just touched on because I think that that in and of itself is so important. Keeping keeping structure around your day, I'm hearing boundaries are important across across your day. And you know, if you're a 20-year-old, you're 21 listening to this and you're thinking about how I can be successful, um, these are great things, not something that you just wake up and you can do in one day. These are things that are built over time, but small little wins like keeping yourself accountable. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. today. And if you wake up at 5 a.m. today, well, you just made a promise to yourself and you kept that promise. That feels good. And now you can keep those promises to other people and that relays success into other factors of your life would you agree alex yeah so there's a phenomenal book that i would recommend to anybody listening to this called the slight edge and essentially that book talks about the compounding interest of your decisions so for those of you who don't know what compounding interest is you know you make small decisions over time and as time goes by the results of those decisions get bigger and bigger. The opposite is also true. So you, you mentioned setting an alarm at 5 a.m. You tell yourself you're going to wake up, that alarm goes off at 5 a.m., and you decide, nope. That snooze button's looking real good right yep, now. Yep, and I, I'm just going back to bed. I'm too comfy. The covers are too warm. I'm going back to sleep. That decision compounds because now in your head you know that uh, my promises to myself don't mean anything because I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm going to start that diet on Monday. Then Monday comes around. Well, nah, maybe I'll start it next week. And next thing you know, instead of compounding those good decisions, you've compounded those bad decisions. So when you think about the average person, the average American, that's the way they live their lives. It's just those 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 compounding bad decisions. It's the McDonald's after work. It's the whatever it might be. So if you're going to 
hold yourself accountable, understand that you need to hold yourself accountable. Like those decisions to get up at 5 a.m., to work out, to read that book, whatever it might be, they don't seem that important at the time because if you miss one workout, you sleep in one morning. Who cares? Big whoop. You eat that piece of cake, not that big a deal. You do that every day for six months. What kind of cake? What kind of cake are we talking here? I don't know. I'm not a big cake guy. <laughs> but you, I didn't mean to mess up your yeah, flow, man. <laughs> but if you, you, you make those decisions day after day for six months, well, now where are you? Um, and again, I've been there. Um, you know, you, you mentioned 75 Hard. We talked about that in, in the first podcast. I was looking at wedding photos the other day. I was 225 pounds on my wedding day. I'm down to 185 and a half as of this morning, <clears throat> which is wild. Our boy, our boy looks yoked yeah. after 75 days. So, but it wasn't just 75 days. So, um, 2000, I was married in 2017. Shortly. I remember that year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just, time goes by when you're having so much fun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know what they say about excuses. Yeah. <laughs> So, but right shortly after we got married, my company brought in Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink's company, actually, we heard Leif, Leif Babin talk. He's a former Navy SEAL. And that kind of jump-started, really, my life where I began to work out every day, eat a little bit better, still not great. Um, but even going into this last 75 days, I had at least a base. I had a baseline. Where if you're starting from zero, it's going to be harder, but it's still that step you need to take. And I think just understanding how compounding decisions can impact you is huge. And if you are in college or you are in law school or wherever you may be, if you can understand that slight edge theory and and not put it off any further, start tomorrow. Start We'll start right now. Start today. Get that better sleep, get that workout in, read that book. If you read 10 pages a day for 75 days, that's 750 pages. That's probably five or six books in two and a half months. I read 10 books over the last 75 days. Like that's, even if you take one key idea out of those books, just think about how much better you are than someone who's not doing those things. So just understanding how those different decisions make and not looking at it in a decision by decision basis, but looking at it as a whole picture, I think is important. Agreed. Um, yeah, that's such insightful information. 75 hard was something that you brought up and you I brought thought, it up and I thought, yeah, <laughs> but like when in on this podcast, yes, I love that. Uh, but you brought this up and like life and I thought you were crazy when you were telling me this, but I was nodding my head. I was like, yeah, dude, do it. Like if it's going to help you and like, this is what you need, like do it. And now along those 75 days, I know for a fact, I have been a huge proponent of peer pressure in your life to like, I cannot believe you are not going to have a beer. Yeah. I cannot believe you're going to work out twice a day or read a book at this cadence. Um, so even the fact that you not only had to keep yourself in line and in check, but you're also hearing whispers from your friends saying like, oh no, come on, dude, just have a beer. Come on. You're at a bar. Like have a beer with us. That has to be hard 
to say no and like keep that like boundary for yourself yeah it goes back to the promises that you're going to make to yourself and what i've trying to do over the last several months is keep those promises to myself and it's it's really hard um you know the the alcohol thing was 75 hard so no alcohol for 75 days if anybody knows me i'm a beer guy i love drinking beer um it's it's you know part of my upbringing really you want to talk about my childhood i was raised in a bar um wisconsin baby wisconsin baby i mean my parents would go out i would go with them to the bar play video games bowl bowling alley whatever it would be and you know probably where i learned a lot of my personable skills you know talking to older people at bars i'm an only kid so i didn't have any siblings um but that's part of our culture here in wisconsin and and it's still true today I, i still love a good ice cold beer um so that piece was 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 hard but it was also easier than i had expected it to be because I still got to do those things. I still went to the Ryder Cup with my dad. I still, and and friends, I still, like we had the alumni tournament this weekend. I still went out to the bar uh, with with friends to hang out. I just didn't drink. And I had the goal in mind that I was going to get through this 75 days. Yesterday was day 74. Um, So right at the finish line and I wasn't going to have a drink. And I didn't. and I think just putting that goal and that promise to yourself first was was important. The hardest thing of 75 Hard was actually the diet, though. You have to eat every day. And to not have, like, leftover pizza, to not have the last six bites of my kids' mac and cheese, to not have a handful of cinnamon Teddy Grahams, which are my kryptonite. No one will know, right? Like- and, well, and I work from home. So if I had those things, you're right. Nobody would know. And if you looked at my pictures, you probably wouldn't be able to tell. But it was important to me to but you follow through. But I would know. Yeah, and it was important for me to know that I could do it. Um, you mentioned peer pressure. This whole thing has kind of been an interesting experience for me. So when I first started, I would tell somebody what I'm doing. Uh, I know my mom did this. You actually did this. I told you about this, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll do that with you. I, had, I, had, I did say that. Yep. And, and, and my mom did the same thing. And I Just I, the workout portion, which I didn't yes. hold myself accountable to. Yeah, you, you never committed to not <laughs> drinking or anything like that. Um, but it's interesting. People's first reaction is like, oh, yeah, I'll do that with you. I had never asked you to do it. I had just told you what I was doing. I had told my parents what I was doing. My mom's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll do that with you, except X, Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, that that's fine. Super. And then as you get into the middle of it, I heard a lot of comments like, oh, you're still doing that? Like that's still, oh, that's still, a, you're, that's still a thing. And then as you got to the end, it was much more, well, dude, you've already done it for 60 days, 65 days, 70 days, 74 days. Good enough. Yeah. What's one more day, right? And, and I think, but, and everybody meant well. Everybody wanted me to have a good time. I've heard I'm too skinny now and all these other things, <laughs> which I prefer lean. Yeah. That's it for anybody who's listening. I don't prefer skinny. No, no guy ever wants to hear you're skinny. No. Like you lift and you go to the gym. You're lean. Lean. Yes. So anybody who's listening. Um, <laughs> but, you know, right at the end and, and people were all well-meaning and they just wanted to have fun and, and, and I get it. Um, but you also think about it in the the wider context like 
those are the decisions every day that people are making. Like, ah, it's just one more day. Ah, I've already, I've already got there. Uh, what's, you know, I've already worked out twice this week. What's, I don't need to go today. And again, those decisions compound over time. I think Kobe Bryant is probably like the greatest example of this. Like search an interview he did where he talks about why he wakes up at 4 a.m. And, and I'm not advocating anybody work out four times a day like he did. But if you want to be the best of the best, he got up at 4 a.m. So he'd get his first workout in by 5. And then he would do his second workout at 11. And then he'd do his third workout at 4. And then he would do his last workout at like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. Meanwhile, other NBA guys are doing that once or twice a day because they're getting up at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And he talks about that not in the context of one season, but over five or six years. How many more practice sessions did Kobe Bryant get in? Yeah, and he said, it doesn't matter how good your summer was. You will never catch up to me. Mm -hmm. He is such an interesting, like, I've actually heard, I don't know if that was a podcast, if that's, I'm forgetting what his, like, is it My Muse? Is that the documentary that he has on Showtime? I don't, I don't know. This was an interview he did on stage with some speaker somewhere. I, I If you look up the Twitter account, I think it's like called uh, Mamba Motivation. They got a whole bunch of these videos. Um, that's where I was exposed to it. But, I mean, that's true. Think And, and, and think about that in any context. If, if you want to succeed in business, if you want whatever it is, like doing those two extra things a day that someone else isn't willing to do that will get you so much farther ahead than everybody else. Who's just being average. This I think is a perfect segue into goal setting. Do you set goals for yourself? Like yearly goals? I don't know. When I think about goals, I remember, I mean, my current employer has a set goals uh, and they're yearly goals. So, professional goal company goal and then like some type of like fitness or diet goal um personally i think yearly goals are like it's june or july and and you get to june or july and maybe you hit all your goals well now what do you do do you just do you set more goals do you like or maybe it's october or november and you're not even close you're not going to hit that goal well now you're just wasting those months that are left so I have some feelings about goals, but I want to ask you, Alex, like, do you set goals on what frequency do you set those goals? So I don't set goals. I never have, uh, you know, being in sales for the last six years, my company has set goals for me. But um, <clears throat> when it comes to goal setting, I think people look at it the wrong way. Another great book is called Burn Your Goals. Uh, I can't remember the author's name, but I would focus much more on doing a handful of daily tasks that are going to make you better. Can you get 1% better today than you were yesterday? And again, it goes back to compounding. If you get 1% better every day, you got 365% better that year. Yeah. So you just tripled your output just by getting 1% better every day. And if you focus more on the process as opposed to the outcome, you'll be much better because you can't control the outcome. So how do you control the process? So let's let's think about that in the context of sales. If you have a sales goal of I need to sell $50,000 worth of business, 
and that's your biggest focus, you have no idea how you're going to get there. No, that's the goal, but there's, right, you are here. Your goal is $50,000 in business. What are you doing in between? Yeah, so a much better goal might be I'm going to reach out to five people every day. Or I'm going to read 10 pages of a business journal in my industry that's going to help me understand what my customers are going through, whatever it might be. That's probably much more important than focusing on the $50,000 number because if all your focus is on the outcome, you can't control that. If I'm trying to char- if I'm trying to sell you a widget, I could have the greatest product and the greatest sales pitch in the world and you will likely still say no. You might your brother-in-law might sell something, the same widget, you might have worked with the same guy for 20 years and you don't want to fire him, whatever it might be. You might just have a bad day and tell me to go F off. I can't control that. So to focus on the final number is probably the wrong way to go about it. Focusing on the process. And I think that's true for sports too, right? Don't focus on making it to the NFL. Focus on what can I do today to get better. And if you do that every day, by the chances are, if you're disciplined enough to actually do it every day, you're going to be ahead of 99% of the people out there. Athletes like Russell Wilson um, come to mind just out of recency bias and his finger injury. His rehab, like he spent 18 hours a day is what was reported on his rehab on his finger. That is, A, just purely insane. Like you you need to have a little bit of like that Mamba mentality coming full circle to be able to do that for 18 hours a day. Like, I'm going to move my finger. I'm going to do all of these different exercises. And Theisman and his injury, Alex Smith and his injury come to mind, who just recently played in the NFL, didn't he? Alex Smith? Yeah. This year? Who who had, no, it's not Teddy Bridgewater is who I'm thinking of, who yeah. had that like yes. freak practice injury. Still starting in Denver. But Alex Smith came back and like, took snaps, right? Last year, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was the comeback player of the year, I believe. I'm not going crazy. Okay, good. Thank you for validating that. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is somebody who comes to mind. Um, Theismann, even Jordy Nelson, after his knee injury, like you just don't come back the same way, but it's how you rehab and it's that mentality of going at it 110% and controlling what you can right now. You know your outcome. Your outcome is I want to I want to be elite again. How do I do that? I think that you're touching on it. It's that process. It's what am I doing day to day? What goals am I setting? And again, full circle, I think yearly goals aren't the greatest for people and I think we're being pushed into like what am I going to do this year? Like, how can I improve myself this year? Set a yearly goal. Where, what about quarterly goals? It's great to set a yearly goal, but what are you doing each quarter to help you achieve your yearly goal? Well, I, I think it's even smaller than that. I think it's, I think it's, I think it needs to be boiled down to the day. Like, what am I going to do today? You know, unless you're the CEO of a company where you need to have a three to five year vision that needs to be met. But even then, they hire people to manage the day-to-day to make sure that vision's met. You can't do three years of work in one day. 
It's not possible. <laughs> so, but the day-to-day -day is extremely important. And, you know, you mentioned all those athletes who have come back. Think about how easy it would be for Russell Wilson to take a day off. So, again, it comes back to discipline and accountability to yourself because nobody would know. And if he missed six weeks instead of three weeks or whatever it was, nobody would blame him. His finger was pointing the wrong direction or whatever. Yeah, we will all expect you to take your time and get back. You need your fingers to throw. But he didn't. He took it seriously and he got it done. And it goes back to being the 1% of the 1%. Are you willing to put in that work? Because there's a lot of guys who are happy to be in the NFL, but there's not a lot of guys that are willing to put in the work to be that great. To put on like a Hall of Fame jacket. Yeah. And it takes that discipline. Um, yeah, 100%. And that's, that's a gear. That's a mentality. And I'm with you. I think we're saying the same things in a lot of ways where – Goals are important. Like, I don't think you're saying goals aren't important, right? I just would encourage people to look at goals differently. It's, it's, it's important to take a step back and look at where you are and to make sure it's where you actually want to be. But I think if you're looking at it, I'll, I'll just use myself as an example. If I gave myself a quarterly goal, the first two months, I'm probably not going to do shit. And then the last month, I'm going to be like, oh my God, I got to hit this goal. And then when I don't hit it, it's like, well... Eh, it wasn't that important anyway. I'll just push it to next quarter. Yeah, I'll double I'll double my output next quarter. When really, if you could just figure out how to win each day, you'll hit your goals without even having to worry about mm -hmm. it. That's my point. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And but but it's knowing what that is, what that goal is, so that you can focus on the micro. You can focus on the day to day things, like you're saying. Like, wake up. What are you yeah, grateful for? Yeah, I hear what you. are you? Right? Yeah, like, you have to have a direction. Yes. If you don't know where you're going or where you're heading, then what the hell? How do you, you if you don't have a direction of where you're going, you can't set what you're supposed to do. 100%. Yes, yes I that, agree with that. That is, there was a quote, and I don't know who said it, but it's if you don't know what you want to do in life, you're going to end up working for somebody else because they'll put you to work and they'll find something for you to do. Yeah, that's uh, true. And I think that's so commendable for anyone who's listening, whether whether it is chasing like a an aspiration in sports or business, not just working for someone. I I I work in corporate today, uh, and it's interesting. Uh, I don't have a huge background in that, and I came from primarily a healthcare background. So, so to jump into a corporate world was, was a large shift and that was a huge adjustment for me. I had a ton of great people around me that helped me do that, yourself included. Um, but thinking about that adjustment and thinking about how, how to make that jump and how to get there, you need some type of focus. You need some type of process. But uh, I want to make a clear distinction though, because I think it's important working for someone's not a bad thing in and of itself. There are a lot of people, not everybody can be an entrepreneur. No, 100%. No. However, if you think about it in a different way, like what we're talking about, your career can explode to the point where, yes, you may be in a corporate structure. Yes, you may have a hierarchy of power and whatever. You may not be the CEO, but you can make yourself invaluable to the point where your company cannot get rid of you because you're that valuable to that company. Mm -hmm. And now you have the leverage 
and now you've created your own career path. Maybe you've created an own, your own title of a position that never existed before because you're that important. So you don't need to be an entrepreneur. You don't need to start your own company to do those things. I think it's just part of being the best at what you do in, in, in successful, you know, whatever, whatever it is you may do. So that's a good point. Yeah. And, and that's not, I, I even see posts now on social media, which I think it'd be great. I, I don't have this written down at all, but just to touch on social media a little bit, I think would be great. Um, sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Where, so social media, I don't, I don't have a huge presence. I know, I know you have a little bit, they're mostly business accounts. If it were up to me, I would have maybe one or two social media streams. I think, I think I'd have an Instagram where, where I'd be posting about certain, certain content and a podcast, to be honest, or, or, or something where I'm writing articles like you are and using a Substack website to be able to facilitate that. Now I'm generating information. I'm like, you're clearly reading on industry knowledge and you're compartmentalizing that you're synthesizing that knowledge and you're pushing content out to people that are interested in it. So now you're generating an interest Mm -hmm. in what you're doing while showcasing your knowledge. To me, when I see that, that's not a job for you. Maybe it feels like it, like you don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. to do that. It's not a job for you. You're you're just creating that content. You're reading something and you're reciting it so you can start to get some type of dialogue. Yeah, so when it comes to social media, I, like you, uh, don't have much of a social media presence. Um, LinkedIn, through work, you know, I have over 500 connections, but really underutilize the platform. Yeah. Well, you know, when you accept every invitation that comes in the inbox, just so you can have 500 plus next to your name, that'll happen. But I really underutilize that platform. Um, you know, Facebook, I went to high school, you know, graduated 2008, right when Facebook kind of was exploding, you know, college had it, still have it, but much more of a, a sideline player. I watch a lot on Facebook <laughs> without, you know, commenting or updating my status or checking in or any of that other stuff that goes with Facebook. I'm sure like the less red solo cups and like it's more buttoned up. I'm sure. As well, well, I think if, but even back in college, I never really posted much. Um, fair share of, you know, pictures with my eyes glazed over and, you know, holding a beer can back in college. Who but, hasn't, right? But, um, you know, when I think of it today, like it's mainly family photos. Um, that's it, though. Um, I have a personal Instagram. I think I've posted like 18 times, including today. Uh, Twitter. I had a Twitter account. I had like one follower who I don't know how they found me because I don't think I've ever tweeted. Um, but now getting into this world, I'm now an old guy at 31 going on 32. Relative. Relative. Yeah, but the people I'm reaching out to are 20, 21, 22, and Instagram is a real way to get a hold of them. It is a much more important part of their life. I mean, and, and it's a business tool. And now I it's think. a business tool. So now I have, I have a business account for Twitter and and uh, Instagram. Um, but even even my business Instagram account, I, I'm not going to lie, I struggle for 
developing content like you know i think this will be a nice vehicle where you, you know eventually if i can figure out the technology side of things we'll <laughs> you know post clips and 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 things like that and if i can get guests on the show and all that stuff that'll be very important but i've had that instagram account for two or three months and struggling for content in that regard twitter is a little bit easier because you can just you know reply to news sources and things like that and but th that's all important in today's world I mean, how else are you going to build a reputation if people don't understand who you are and what you stand for, which is why I created those accounts. It's why I started the daily newsletter. It's why I started this podcast um, with some encouragement from yourself and some other friends is if you don't put anything out there, nobody's going to know who you are. Exactly. Um, so, it, it, yeah, you, you got to kind of just figure it out. It's new to me. Uh, I'm not great at it yet <laughs> if i'm being honest but. no but but you're out here you're posting content almost daily every day um whether whether the podcast comes out so on mondays and thursdays when the podcast comes out i don't do a, a, an article because i need to focus on posting the podcast and making sure that i don't screw that up um, but every other day i'm posting a daily article um about something that's going on whether, in the world of football yep whether it's like this morning, I posted about the Ohio State-Michigan game and what that meant for Aiden Hutchinson, who I would probably pick number one overall. Uh, if I was the Detroit Lions, defensive end from Michigan, had three sacks against Ohio State yesterday. I mean, monster performance in the biggest game in Michigan history, at least over the last 10 years. Foreseeable, like past, yes. Yeah, I mean, now if they win next week, they will be in the playoff, which just saved Jim Harbaugh's career because his big mark was that he couldn't beat Ohio State. Well, now they beat Ohio State, they'll likely beat Iowa, and they will be in the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. And that one particular kid just, like, in my mind, solidified his status as the number one overall draft pick. Huge game, huge players show up in huge games. Yeah, and name a bigger game than Ohio State-Michigan. Maybe Alabama-Auburn. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Iron but, Bowl, maybe. But that's yeah. like going back to the Cam Newton days. Like, I don't remember the last time Auburn's been... Like a contender to be able to say, no. like, it's more Alabama, LSU. Yeah. And, even, and even so, LSU, I don't... They won yesterday. I think they just barely became bowl eligible. They're 6-6 six and six this year. Down this year, yeah. And Coach O's on the way out. Go Tigers. Yeah. That... So... I mean, and we're biased because we're sitting in a state that's part of the Big Ten, but that I can't think of a bigger college football game. I can't. No. This year, at least. Right. So, um, but you know, going back to the the newsletter. So whether it's something like that, whether it's you know a player signed a new contract. You mentioned you know that being work. The nice thing about that right now is it doesn't feel like work. Yes, I get up early. Um, but I get up before, um, everybody else is awake, drink my, a massive amount of caffeine and, you know, it takes me like an hour to two hours, um, and it's done. And, you know, that's a win. You want to talk about an hour, wins. two hours, one to two hours per article to post your article. Yeah. Cause okay. it takes, sometimes I'll know what I'm going to write about the next day. Other days I'm kind of searching, you know, what's trending on Twitter, What's ESPN talking about? 
whatever. Sure. What's who, what's relevant? Yeah. What's hot in the market? Yeah, yeah. And then my take on things, or you know, trying to simplify it so that your average to below average sports fan can understand what the hell's going on. Right now, that's fun. It's been two weeks, and I think I got like ten or twelve articles out there. But right now, that's still fun. It doesn't feel like work. So, um, yeah. And I think that helps in and of itself, you're passionate about something and using social media as a platform today, I think has started to get bigger. It started, you, you see it on TikTok, you see advertisements that start to come up and you're just posting content. You see the Gary V's of the world that are telling you, I don't care what you do, just post content, dude. Just like post content, like content is where like you, you need content. Yeah. Well, and, and advice that I got from Andrew Brandt not me personally, but advice that he's talked about. So former agent, former cap manager for the Green Bay Packers, same thing, right? You want a job in sports, so do thousands of other people. Everybody wants to be working for a professional sports team. Mm -hmm. How do you stand out? Do you have a podcast? Do you have a newsletter? Do you have 100,000 Twitter followers? Whatever it might be. What's your X factor? what are you doing that goes above and beyond I'm passionate in sports because everybody's passionate in sports. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing? Are you writing for somebody? Do you have your own newsletter? Whatever it might be, what's your body of work that I can look at that makes me think, yes, you know what you you're are talking the, about. You are who I should hire. You have engaging, like relevant content and I'm intrigued. And now I want to read impact sports articles every morning yeah how do you capture that audience i think social media is a great platform for it you see all of these people that like the instagram models and the tiktok models that come through to me i don't know right like you're you're chasing a pipeline dream in my opinion you're seeing people that you're posting content because you're beautiful or you're posting content because X, Y, and Z I'm promoting this product. Use this skincare product because it's going to make you look younger for longer. <clears throat> that's not a, that's not a sustainable business model to me. You're, you're building something to a certain, to a certain point you're gaining followers, but that's a shell. At some point, well, someone younger is going to come up, and that's what you're looking over your shoulder on. You're 28, 29, 30 years old. Well, there's a hotter, like, I don't even know if I should say that, but no, a prettier I, I, version I, of yeah, you, a yeah. better version of male, you at 18, ma 19, 20. Male or female. Yes. Yeah. So when it comes to being a social media influencer, I think the days of having a million followers because you get undressed on your Instagram page, again, male or female, are dying. Not even undressed, but just like I'm I'm gonna dance or I'm gonna do some type of trend because it's trending right now or it's relevant yeah. right now. But if you if you have a million followers because you are attractive and that's your only characteristic, I think brands are the amount of information companies can gather from their Instagram pages is incredible. 
So yes, you may have a million followers, but how many of those a million those million followers are actually commenting and engaging with you? Other than the creeps online that are saying obnoxious things to pretty women on the internet. Yeah. And you're laughing, and I wish I could say some of them, but my dad's listening. <laughs> but you know what you know what I'm saying, right? You yeah, know, like I, you know, the weirdos saying, "Show me your feet" and all that other yeah. gross stuff that's out there. <laughs> um, if that's your only following, you're not doing any service for that company that you're an ambassador for. It's probably much better that you have ten thousand followers who are your true fans, and who can actually you can actually engage with. And in order to get that, you have to offer some sort of value. You have to either entertain them, educate them, or inspire them to do something. And Andy Frisella, uh, who's also the founder of the 75 Hard Program, is the one who taught me that. He's got a great podcast on this. I mentioned it in my blog. Mm -hmm. That is, I think, much more important than just being attractive in, in your follower count. How engaged are you with your fans? I think that's much more important, and and a much more sustainable model. I think I think if you're trying to grow something and you're you're in your early twenties, you're you're trying to figure out how to be successful, how to overcome like a certain type of challenge. Social media is great, but there's so many different pings. There's TikTok, Snapchat, Meta, IG. How how do you LinkedIn? How do you rein all of those in? and use them to your advantage. And I think you're doing a great job of, of that right now on Twitter, you're posting content. You, you have an Instagram that you're using to build your business in so many ways. Yeah, but it's, it's hard work and that's what people need to understand. So, well, cause you're not beautiful. You are beautiful, Alex. Well, know. thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. You know how to make a grown man blush. Um, I'll give you $20 after this. Um, no, but it's, did I throw you off there? I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. That's no, okay. Um, but like when it comes to growing a social media, if you're not going to focus on showing skin, it, it's hard work. You have to come up with creative content every day and it also doesn't happen overnight. So I post every day on Substack. I can see how many people view each post. I've had posts that four people have looked at. I think my my highest one year to date is like 50. So between four and 50 people are reading my article every day. A lot of people would expect to reach thousands of people after two weeks. And, and is and, that realistic though but there's a small part of me that thinking like oh this is going to be easy this is going to explode and then you're like no that's as easy not as how it works it nobody knows who you are you need to slowly build and slowly create and you know what every article you write's not going to be a home run every podcast that you post won't be a home run including maybe this one but We'll find out. Maybe. And then maybe you're <laughs> fired and I'll find someone else to do this with me. <laughs> um, but it, it takes – the podcast is another great example though. So far, year to date, I think we've had like 50 or 60 downloads for, through the first two podcasts. I think that's really good and I think it will continue to grow. But it's also we're not Joe Rogan and you shouldn't expect to be. So 
he's but also you're getting... been, and he's been doing it for 11 years. So whatever it, it, it may be, just don't think about this like, okay, yes, I'm hearing these two knuckleheads talk about this. I'm going to create some content. And then after three days, be like, well, no one's reading my shit. So and I'm going to give up. up, which is what most people do. That is, I mean, yes, right? Like being consistent, using that as like a tool to grow a sustainable business model. That's, those are all things that are, that are important that go so far beyond just the beauty of someone or like somebody's image, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think you're doing an awesome job at being able to create that engaging content. And I'm throwing likes your way. I know that you have a lot of people that are throwing likes your way. You and me both. And then- <laughs> we're, you, we're the two people liking my posts. Um, but but that in and of itself, like it doesn't matter. You have four to, what did you say, 50 or 60? Yeah, something like that. People. This is week two, week three, right? Going on week three, yeah. Um, I think people are too focused on the amount of followers you have or the amount of likes that you get, even on some of your content. Like, yeah, it's great to have a million followers, to have 10 million followers, like to be the next Addison Ray or like Hype House, whatever. Really, to have that mentality is great. To have a goal, I want to be the best influencer. I want to be the best at whatever my craft is. You need to temper that expectation a little bit. And you have 20 followers within like the greater Milwaukee area that listen to your podcast and that read your articles that will start to grow the power of six and compounding interest, I think can be applied to that. Definitely. Hey, do you remember Alex from so-and-so he does a podcast now and he's trying to be an NFL agent. And then, Oh, I know my cousin is playing at whatever university. Let me get in contact with him. Like just ask him some questions. And now you are like the hub of getting to talk to people within an industry to just share, right? Like, how can I help you? How can I solution? How can we help each other? Yeah, definitely. Well, and it, it goes back to, to quote the Philadelphia 76ers trusting the process, which we laugh How's about. How's that working? Yeah. For well, I mean, uh, not great for the old GM, but he, they at least have a competitive team now. Yeah, there's some, there's some drama with Ben Maybe Simmons. Not. That, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> But but nobody's but they're perfect. A top, so so they're a top team in the East. Yeah, and and probably a playoff contender, and and probably will be for a lot of time going forward. Um, but you know, trusting the process and just doing everything daily to get better, and that's why I'm doing these things. If I were focusing on getting a thousand followers, it would seem insurmountable Alex I'm gonna crack a beer here okay I'm sorry that's okay go for it <laughs> that registered on both mics cheers brother cheers man uh, um, this is Alex's first day I'm sorry I don't mean to derail the conversation here this is Alex's first day having a beer I've never seen the man smile bigger uh, in yeah. my life ear to ear great. like Alex has a three-year-old son who's always smiling I've I I think I've seen Alex smile more than his three-year-old son today like having his first sip of beer in 75 it, days I did miss it <laughs> Alex what kind of beer are you drinking uh, uh poor pills you got this for me uh it's actually quite good but to circle back <laughs> back to business yes back to business <laughs> um but I think it's important because 
the if I were focusing on getting a thousand followers, getting ten thousand followers, it would seem insurmountable at this point. It would be so easy to quit because I'm at one percent of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if if that right. So I'm just gonna keep grinding, keep doing it every day. And eventually, whether it's five years or 10 years down the road, I will have that following. I can guarantee it. But I can't think about that tomorrow because tomorrow I need to focus on writing an article. And if eight people like it, if I can get one of those person, one of those people to share it, awesome. And then we build from there. And that's your day by day, like your goal, if I'm hearing you correctly, is 10,000 followers. And, and maybe that's not even your goal. It's just building your brand, building your business, using social media and other vehicles to be able to do that. That's the goal. And, and, and I talked about it on episode one of this podcast. My number one goal is just to be better. And talking through these things, like episode number two, when I went into the details of you know, how an NFL contract works, I had to prep for that. I had to go back and reread my notes and look at the CBA that makes me better because the last thing I want to do, which I probably did and I probably will, is screw up on the internet because somebody will find it and correct it. And, you know, that would be embarrassing. So it forces me to sit down and prep because what is going out is going to be final. So that will make me better. This conversation will make me better. The daily articles will make me better. I've written about the Browns, I've written about the Falcons, I've written about the Bears, I've written about the Packers. Six months ago, I could tell you anything you want to know about the Green Bay Packers, but that would probably be the extent of my NFL knowledge, other than fantasy. So now doing this every day, I know that the Browns re-signed two of their offensive guards. I wouldn't have cared about that a year ago. So like understanding how that works will only make me better. You're casting a wider net is yeah. what you're saying, right? Like you're, it started with the Green Bay Packers and like a hometown love and shout out to Alex, you're a shareholder for the Green Bay Packers. Right? I don't know if we should tell anybody that because I'm also an agent. <laughs> that might be a that might be a conflict there's, of interest. So, there's no bias there. Anyone I don't know who's the, from Chicago I don't or know a Bears the, fan. I don't know where the certificate is. So I'm, I'm not an agent. I'm not a shareholder. I'm not an owner. <laughs> Maybe we'll edit this out. Yeah, I'm going to cut that. We'll see. <laughs> but you know, if one day I'm going to represent an offensive lineman, I sure as hell better know what the market is for a player at that position. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wrote about it that day because I didn't know what an, like the average salary of, a, of an offensive guard is. You're learning with everyone else that's reading your articles is what yeah. I'm hearing. You're, yeah. you're, you're doing research in something that you love and you're putting that in words on paper for other people to learn with you. And if four people read it, it doesn't matter because I learned from it. So I think in, in that makes it much easier to do. Cause if I was thinking about how can I write something that's going to get me a hundred people to read it, it would probably be green Bay Packer related just because that's who I know on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's real easy to get my friends to read about the Packers. It's really hard to get my friends to read about the Bears. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, I'm selfishly thinking about it for me and like, no, I would love to read uh, 
Chicago Bears article. I would love that. Really? You should start reading my articles yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> Alex has been giving me so much shit for not reading And I can see all if of he his, reads it. Yes. Uh, for, for not... I get all the push notifications, and then I'm very segmented in what I do. So I'm very, like, I need to sit down and do one thing. I can't have multiple things going on because mm-hmm. then I'm not giving my full attention to one thing. So I still, I I have some catching up to do. Yeah, right I, now you haven't and, given any attention to this one thing. And there's and there's so much, <laughs> like, the laser eyes that are coming across this table right now. Um, I'm probably going to tuck the tail between my legs here go home and read these articles before yeah. I wake up Monday morning. Uh, otherwise I might be finding a new co-host. <laughs> um, so, so we talked a lot, like we talked about a lot today. We talked about overcoming challenges. We talked about your journey specifically, but really that's anyone's journey. Who's, who's looking to, and maybe college isn't the right thing, right? Like that could be a whole separate topic where we were told you need to be successful and go to college, but this this could be applied generally to anyone. You are trying to be successful, and how are you pivoting? What moves are you making day to day to achieve long term goals? Uh, really, that's that that was the basis of this podcast is just to get a better understanding of what you've done. You've been super successful in your career today. And you're taking that success and taking it somewhere where you're passionate. Mm-hmm. Not saying you're not passionate about what you do today, but but really you're 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 chasing a childhood dream is is if I'm reading between the lines, like yeah. really what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Um and I think so many people sit with complacency. I think so many people are paralyzed with analysis and oh, I can't start this or I don't I don't even know how to start this. So to see you posting content, to see you putting articles on Twitter, to see you learning about things that you went to school for and actually making this a reality amidst everything that's going on, like personally, like Alex has a loving family. I'm not saying that like he's going through divorce or anything like Alex has a loving family. Like he has one child, another on the way, but he finds time to do it. And hearing you, it's not always easy to wake up at 5 or 6 a.m., have your copious amounts of caffeine, and be able to post content, but you do it. The the best advice I've ever had on exactly what you're talking about, I don't know how to take that first step. I don't want to take the risk of starting my own company. The best advice I've ever heard is no matter what you do, you're taking a risk. If you stay in your current job, you stay on your current path, that is as big of a risk as as trying something you've always wanted to do. And what I mean by that is if I were to not try and do what I've always wanted to do, not doing something is still making a choice. That's so true. And I know what that life looks like. And not to say that it's a bad life. I live in a beautiful home. I have a beautiful family. My current job has given me an extreme amount of opportunities. Not dissing that at all. But I know what staying put means. 
So complacency, to, you're not growing. To not take this chance is just as big of risk as taking this chance and failing. That's probably the best advice. So not making a decision is still making a decision. It's a non-decision, you're making a decision to make a non-decision. Yes. You're, you're staying status quo. <clears throat> Agreed. I think too often people don't chase things that they're passionate about because you're afraid to fail or you're 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 fearful. You have something to say. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I was going to build off of what you were probably going to say in that, you know, I don't I don't the the common saying is, you know, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? Nobody does. I guarantee you well, guarantee is probably strong because I don't know these people. But like, if you ask, if you were to go back in time and ask Jeff Bezos in 1995 or whenever Amazon was started, if he knew what the hell he was doing, he would say no. Well, they started as a company that rented textbooks. Yeah, and wanted to sell books online at the time of the dot com bubble when it crashed. 99 and 2000. Yeah. yeah. And, and now everybody knows Amazon is the everything store and you can get everything next day. But that took 30 years. And that's not their business model when they started either. No, but if you go back and read like his memoirs and stuff, like this is where he always wanted to end up. Like the man's a genius. He had a vision for what he wanted his company to be. But if he was being honest with you, when he first started Amazon, I guarantee you he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Mm-hmm. But you just, it's like that old Navy SEAL saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And you just take the next day and you figure it out. And then you do the next day and figure it out. Like nobody knows what the, what they're doing. Nobody knows why we're here. You just do the best you can with what you got. A hundred percent. Yep. So yeah, coming full circle here, Alex. Um, I guess last question for you. And I want to jump in and just add a little bit of color, if I may as well. That's but- why the people are here, Mike. They want to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> all all four to to 50 of you um alex tell us tell us for somebody that's listening today and maybe struggling or maybe they're not struggling they're just interested they're curious about i'm about to start college or i'm about to go off to to school and i i'm i'm great at what i do in high school what advice do you have for them and really anything so that could be like what type of major are you selecting? What are you doing in college, et cetera, to set yourself up for success? If if you could maybe look back and you look at Alex at 20 years old, like what would you tell him? The number one thing I would tell 20-year-old Alex would be to get a business degree. I think even if you want to go to law school, having a business degree I think will set you up so much better for anything you do because anything you do is business. Even think about that in the context of being a lawyer. Who are your clients? Businesses, unless you're like criminal law and you're dealing with individuals. But if you're some corporate attorney doing mergers and acquisitions or whatever it might be that you do, your clients are business people. You need to understand how their business works. And I think about, excuse me, I think about that in the context of my current job understanding how business works will just set you up so much better. If you have any inkling of going to law school, get a business degree. That would be my first piece of advice. 
My second piece of advice to anybody who's going through the college process, it would be not to focus on how you look on paper. And what I mean by that is don't worry about being on student council and being part of this club and that club because it looks good on a resume. I think in the next five years, resumes will be dead. I, I don't know how a kid today could could be different enough on a resume to get a job. I, I really don't because every kid's doing those things. What I think is much more important that we talked about at the very beginning of this episode is developing those people skills, understanding how people work, understanding your role in how those people work. And what I mean by that is how can you help others? And if you can follow through on that, you will be able to do anything you want in life. And you won't need that fancy degree from that college you really wanted to get into, but you were not in enough clubs or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it might be. S- said nobody ever when getting a job like, ooh, you were in only in two clubs instead of four? Yeah, and maybe some colleges are doing that. Like if your goal is to get into Stanford or Harvard, maybe that stuff's important. But I would also question why do you want that degree from Stanford or Harvard? It's I'm, I mean, they're important, right? They're prestigious colleges that I think open a lot of doors at, like, if we're talking about business, big three consulting firms, if you're talking about law sure. school, those open a lot of doors. But if we're sitting here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're talking about going to, I went to UW-Milwaukee, you went to Marquette. I think Marquette has a bigger network here in Milwaukee, but nationwide, like you meet somebody else that's from Marquette, they're going to say like, oh man, you're a golden eagle. And like now that conversation has started, there's camaraderie. And that's true wherever you go to school, but it's what happens after that connection's met. You can talk about the weather and where you went to school, but then what happens after that? You're Yes. And what happens in those conversations? You don't, you don't talk about what was your GPA and then you're going to share your your contact information with them. That that's not what happens in those conversations. No, you you are talking to them because you had a shared experience with somebody, and now maybe there's a vested interest somewhere because you had a shared experience. GPA is still important. Being in clubs is still important. Those things, if you're passionate about them, those are those are still important. I would just urge kids that are 20, 19, 18, coming out of high school to not focus so much on on GPA to be the valedictorian. You still need good grades. But if you get a 3.2, you get a 3.3 grade point average, focus on on the social aspect of things. Still have fun. Go to parties. Chase things that you enjoy. That's part of business. That's part of life in general you're chasing a goal you're chasing a dream you're chasing a girl maybe like you're chasing a guy who knows you're chasing something and that's part of it and if you fail that's okay because you're learning from it and if you can learn from it and come back stronger next time you just learned how to fail and build yourself and bring you back up and i think in sales i'm not a salesman but in sales, you hear no a hundred times before you'll hear one yes. 
yes. I mean, I've called dead people before because their name pops up on some internet search and, you know, that person actually has died. So, um, yeah, you have those awkward conversations. When it comes to, like, I think of, like, when my son grows up, advice, obviously I want him to do the very best that he can at everything. But I, th- I think your point is you need to be well-rounded mm-hmm. and th- think about it in the context of how many successful people are out there that either dropped out of college or ha- were, were average college students that figured out a way to be successful at whatever it is. And I think that's, that's, a, that's important. It'll be interesting to see where schools go. You and I are old enough to remember we actually had to have calculators in school and our teachers told us over and over again, you need to learn how to do algebra because you'll never have a calculator in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Well, now we have the iPhone. When my son's in high school in 10 years from now, what are they? They're, they're I can only imagine yeah. what the technology will be. They'll have wearable technology, right? If education like, doesn't change, it's gonna be obsolete. Like he's not gonna have to go to school because he will be able to find whatever he wants to find on the internet or whatever the new internet is that we don't even know about yet. Yeah. And we're not saying that education isn't important by saying that it it's just in, in 10 years, this will look so but, different. But the reg- you won't need to regurgitate information. I won't need to go home and read a history textbook and then take a test on it mm-hmm. because it, it will be obsolete in information. I mean, what is much more information is, or what is much more important is the concepts and how to learn than what you're actually learning. Mm-hmm. So I think about that in the context of whether you're in school today or maybe you're even in business and how do you go further? Don't focus on the kids with the 4.0 who, you know, I think back to law school not to pick on my law school classmates, but I spent like almost no time at the law school because I, I didn't get along with most of those kids. They're a little bit uptight. Everybody was worried about their class rank and where they were going to go. It was just a competitive environment is what I'm hearing. Yeah, and lawyers are not the most sociable people. Because they had 4.0s and they, you know, that, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't spend a lot of time there. Again, that probably hurt me a little bit from a networking standpoint, especially in the sports law community. But my God... It, the the soft skills I think are going to be much more important going forward. Agreed. Yeah, and and I think that's that's at least what I'm trying to get at too. Like, it's not don't don't getting good grades is important, but really enjoy your time, enjoy being 18, 19, 20, 21 years old within limits, but build that network because who are those people? Who's going to be successful ten years from now? may or may not need to regurgitate information. It's the people sitting in your lecture hall. It's the people sitting in your classrooms to the right and to the left of you that are going to be successful. Other people will be successful too. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't be successful if you don't go to college, but those, your classmates are the ones that are going to be successful. So grease some palms, go to parties, put yourself out there. And yeah, do what you need to do to get good enough grades. But think about think about whatever subject it is, our kids will be able to learn that on YouTube. 
or yeah. whatever the YouTube oh, equivalent man. is. That is so powerful today. Isn't so, it? so you think about like the top university professors, they could probably make millions of dollars if they just posted their, their lectures to YouTube, mm -hmm. they'd go independent. You don't need to be Harvard anymore. So access to information is not used. You used to have to go to college because you needed access to the information. Mm -hmm. That's no longer the case. So, what is much more important is that you can communicate your vision to others and find credible information. I think that is going to be really important moving forward. I think sure. finding being able to understand how to find the concepts of credible information, I think is what is really going to be important. And it's only going to get harder with AI and all the other things that are going on in that space. I know enough about that to be dangerous, but, um, man, the people skills are going to be just that much more important. Because if you do have a really good idea, it doesn't mean shit if you can't communicate it and you can't get other people to buy into it. Yep. So really, I guess we're kind of saying the same thing here, Alex, yeah. right? Yeah. Like focus on building yourself up on the social aspect of college, of if, if you are going to college and you're going to play a sport, if that's what you want to do, still get good grades right but but focus on the networking aspect of things being being able to pull from a rolodex of individuals that you went to school with to say hey i have a solution or i have an idea let's talk about it and having an intellectual conversation that doesn't just like how can i use you how can i use you to a means for something better i think i think is so important um and yeah, resume building as well. You have a 4.0. If I'm looking at a resume and I'm clearing a resume and I see 4.0, that's great. That's awesome. I'll probably still bring you in. Um, but what's what's your X factor? Like, what's your Y? Like, are you just studying and are you able to regurgitate and like just remember information really well? you need to be a well-rounded individual, I guess is what I'm getting at. And I think focusing on the social aspect of things is so important moving forward today. Um, if you want to start some early success in your twenties. Agreed. Do you have anything else to add, Alex? I don't, I, that, those I are all the so. questions. So those are all the questions I have today. Um, we talked about doing a top five every week. Yes. And we have one. So this week. in the spirit of Thanksgiving and the holiday season that has kicked off, we want to give a top five of the best Thanksgiving dishes. So yes, let's stir up some controversy. Top five Thanksgiving dishes. Alex, do you want to go first? Sure. I'll go first this week. So when I think Thanksgiving, number five, candied yams. Ooh. Yeah, kicking off with a with a with a hard hitter. Define candied yams. So, I've never prepared them, but they're like cooked in like a little bit of sugar, maybe of the brown variety. Yeah, brown sugar. Brown sugar. I don't know. Some butter. Shout maybe. out to the people who cook the candied yams, but they are <laughs> phenomenal and like they're juicy enough that if someone were to happen to overcook the turkey, not saying this happened in my family because I don't want to start a fight, but if it did happen, it's got just enough juice to offset that, 
and it's just the perfect compliment. So I'm going to go candy DMs. At number five. At number five. My number five. Green bean casserole. Mm. Um, not, not my favorite. <laughs> uh, maybe unpopular with some. So I, you alluded to growing up in, in an upper middle class family. I've been accustomed to certain tastes in my life as well, um, not in the upper cl- up, upper middle class variety. So, cream of mushroom Campbell soup, put in with like canned green beans and like a little bit of fried crispy onions on top. Throw that thing in the oven for ten minutes. I still make that today. I've been hustling my mother for her old recipes, and that's one of them. Not a Polish recipe at all, but just like a recipe that I grew up with, that is nostalgia to me. That's your shit, huh? Number five, green bean casserole. Okay, turn around with number four. We'll snake it. Cornbread. There's nothing better I don't know if I've ever had cornbread with Thanksgiving. What? Is this a Polish thing? That is, no, it's just like a America Thanksgiving thing. I don't think so. (laughs) so. Cornbread, it's, it's just such a staple to have a little bit of cornbread, some type of carbohydrate, for me, it was cornbread. I don't know. Maybe other people just have bread. We have rolls, yeah. Okay. Um, cornbread is something that I grew up with. Uh, you just butter on cornbread and like turkey and a little bit of cornbread. There's something hearty about it. Something like dirty south about it. I don't it know. A southern, yeah. Um, which now I just have so many questions for my family uh, and why we've incorporated cornbread in our Thanksgiving dinners. But I have it every year and it's something for me that I look forward to because it's not homemade and it's out of a box. Like we're talking about Jiffy cornbread here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's such a distinct taste to that. So number four, cornbread. shout out to all my cornbread lovers. Okay. There. All right. <laughs> um, my number four is turkey and i know this seems you throw the bird at number four well yeah my top three are pretty fire okay i don't doubt that the turkey while it's kind of hitting the nail on the head a little hard here is so important to the turkey the thanksgiving meal like if you screw up the turkey that's is it thanksgiving if you don't have the bird see you next year yeah like you like let's (laughs) what are you doing here yeah And shout out to my mom, bakes this thing in like a plastic bag so it holds all these juices in. Mm. Those are phenomenal. It's juicy. It's tender. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean, that's it's it's number four. Rand going to be upset that you're giving away secrets here? Is cooking a turkey in a bag a secret? I don't know. I don't know. I've never cooked a I've never cooked a turkey in an oven before. (laughs) You know what? Neither have I. Actually, <laughs> maybe we'll have an episode on, uh, on, on, on proper adulting after 30, uh, and we'll bring in somebody who actually can adult. Now you want to talk smoking meat. I'm your guy <laughs> cooking a turkey, tur- cooking a turkey in an oven. Not, not oh, so, not so, uh, questionable on the sweet baby Ray's comment on episode one. Um, what do you mean questionable? <laughs> I mean, sweet baby Ray's is a good condiment. It is the, the number one condiment. Don't like you, you dare say ketchup. No, I would never. Don't you say ranch. I would never. My wife would say ranch. I know she would. Yeah. That's <laughs> Along with all the other white girls in Wisconsin. <laughs> Just like you smoke meat. If I smoked meat, Sweet Baby Ray's is definitely on the smorgasbord. If it's number one, 
I don't know if I'm only picking Sweet Baby Ray's. What else would you pick? Ranch. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. There's so many other condiments that I think I would like that go through my mind. Like Korean barbecue comes to mind as like, yup. Do you ever walk past any mall and you go into the food court and there's somebody with a toothpick I cannot giving believe you a free sample? That you are comparing bourbon chicken sweet baby rays to whatever it is that they serve at the cajun place in the mall korean barbecue bourbon chicken if you want to if you if you would have stopped at korean barbecue you could have had an argument but you went to the strip mall lunch place as your That's top condiment place done you I just lost love, all credibility i would credibility. love that Okay, I'm moving on to number three. I'm done having this conversation with you. Number three, rolls. You, you, Specific rolls? Like Hawaiian? Yes. King, like so King we're, Hawaiian rolls? We're a big King Hawaiian fan. Throw those in the microwave or the oven for a few minutes just to kind of you know warm them up. I remember that was your shit in uh, yeah, law school, can't by be the it. way. I got, a, I got a whole bag of them upstairs <laughs> that I am going to go to town on now that I'm done with this diet. Can I just say they are so soft and like... They're like so easy. To, they if like you're gonna melt shit in on your my mouth. rolls too. I'm no, lose it. they they just like melt in your mouth. That's yes. all. I, that's yeah. That's all I wanted to say. I was waiting for the butt, and I was gonna <laughs> no, lose it. No, there's no butt. Okay, <laughs> phenomenal. Throw a little bit like the the next day turkey. That should have been one mm. leftover turkey. Do you have leftover mm, turkey on your list? It's in my fridge right now. Oh, um, do you have it on your list no. though? See, we weren't thinking. Yeah. Day two turkey. You can still kick one off your list here. And you, th- I'm gonna Not combine three and four. You throw like a day old turkey, the cold turkey on a Hawaiian roll. Done. You that's don't, a meal. That's you a don't meal. warm it up. No, cold turkey. Cold turkey the day after. Unstoppable. What What else goes on that sandwich? That's uh, see, it. I, see, I'm not. I, I'm picky eater. So Sweet I don't put mayo. I don't put sandwich? butter. Uh, it could. Sweet baby could go on anything. <laughs> Shout out Sweet Baby Rays. If they want to sponsor the podcast, I would totally be for that. There's so much like advertising going on for Sweet Baby Rays that was not planned at I, all. I dare you to name a better barbecue sauce. You can't do it. Stubbs. Who? Exactly. I just think of exactly. Conor McGregor. Who the fuck is that <laughs> yeah, guy? Who the f- <laughs> Walk through your local grocery store. You will see a Stubbs marketing symbol is it is it next to the rows and rows of sweet baby rays (laughs) um i know stubs is eye level so they 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 put their premier sauce eye level at grocery stores stubs is eye level well they're probably not doing a good job because i've never heard of them (laughs) casey masterpiece okay solid also solid vanilla but yeah good barbecue sauce yeah, we need to have a top five barbecue sauce. Done. I think is. is I'm gonna have is, sweet is baby rays for. one through five. <laughs> yeah, I know you will. <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert. So my number three, sweet potatoes. Solid pick. Um, not candied, just like regular sweet potatoes. And I grew up where they were half mooned, no full moon. So you just. I guess you just slice take the sweet and... potato and then, yeah, just slice them and they're like big half dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, Throw a little man. bit of oil on them and cook them. Yeah, so oven, 
and then um the sugar so like the savory sweet flavor for me isn't was i just haven't ever been a huge fan of that but like a little bit of salt pepper Mm -hmm. butter on some sweet potatoes yeah can't go wrong there um and i'm gonna take it a step further like maybe 3a is just shout out to the potato community in general like (laughs) is it a meal is it a thanksgiving meal without potatoes who doesn't have potatoes? Yeah, and I think so. I don't like mashed potatoes. Again, very picky eater. I think there would probably be the vast majority of this audience that would be completely upset if we didn't throw out mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to throw potatoes as an entire group here. Oh, yeah. And I will agree with you there. Shout out to our starch community. <laughs> uh, number two, let's talk about the bird. Okay, like you're going you're going turkey, number two. Yeah. Turkey. Turkey number two. So turkey and like specifically I'm all about the white meat. See, I'm turkey. a dark meat guy. Yeah, I oh I know you are. Because like, you you're a drummy guy. I'm a drummy guy. Uh when it comes to chickens, my other favorite bird, I'm thighs over breasts. Like give me a good chicken thigh. It's just juicier, got a little bit of that fat on there. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Much better. Than like that dry old breast that you like. Do you name your bird? Like when no, you... I don't cook it. I don't have that intimate relationship with it. Do you? We recently started naming our birds. Do you give it some weird Polish name? <laughs> no, just like it's typically Tom? like a female like oh, name. Really? Typically, yeah. I would have went male names. Um, I don't know. There's something endearing about like when you name like certain things like a car or whatever like I, I i personally always think of it as like it's a female so your family names the turkey before you eat it not family but like just you typically myself uh and then one cousin shout out to eric uh like oh we're gonna we're gonna go to town on gertrude what's later. yep what's this turkey's name we gotta name it what we gotta give it? it some respect what was it on thursday so I didn't have Thanksgiving dinner with like a larger family. They just moved to Florida. Uh, congratulations. Shout yeah. out to Ella, Eric, Jess, Peter for moving to Florida. Okay. Um, I didn't name my bird because we didn't actually like cook a turkey yeah. uh, breast tenderloin. So I didn't, I didn't think naming breast tenderloin, turkey breast tenderloin would be an appropriate move. Mm. Yeah. It's not traditional. Um, and honestly, I can't think of a past bird name. But, uh, but Kasha. Kasha comes to mind as, Polish. as a bird name. Um, but then there have been others that are like probably inappropriate to even <laughs> speak on this podcast. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop, stop it right here. there. Okay. You're, you're a dark meat guy. Yes, 100%. I mean, um, I'll, I'll eat the white meat, but I would much prefer the dark meat. I would love to know the proportion of white meat versus dark meat preference it's gotta be major- oh preference mm, in the u.s question. what do you think it is i have I'm no gonna, idea i'm gonna go i'm gonna go I'm like gonna google it right now i'm gonna go like 70 30 white meat to dark meat i would guess most people prefer white meat let's see internet's got to tell us right it's always right it's undefeated <laughs> interesting <clears throat> Do they actually have a wow. stat? So with an asterisk, right? Because we're looking at an article that was written uh, by Good Housekeeping Magazine, which if any of you have watched Step Brothers, Good Housekeeping is uh, used for certain things. 
probably not surveys like this, but the common theory is that white meat is healthier than dark meat. However, fake news. In a t- in a 2013 National Chicken Council survey, here we go. They found that American households overwhelmingly prefer white meat. Yeah, I would guess that. And it's probably because they think they're making a healthy choice, even though they're not. Okay. Fake news wins again. <laughs> My number two, apple pie. Oh. Every Thanksgiving's got pie. I know a lot of people like pecan, maybe a little pumpkin. Nothing is more American than apple pie, and I love a good apple pie. That An is apple. apple, not like a pumpkin. Not, no, no, it's got to be apple. Okay, that is my jam right there. I love apple pie. Is there a specific apple pie? Like, are we talking about specific apples that go into the nope. apple pie? Just Don't like care. You put apples in a pie, homemade, great. Into it, store bought, fine. You put some apples and some cinnamons and whatever that jam jelly thing that goes in there, <laughs> and I'm gonna just scarf that thing down. Yeah, you are. So it's eight inches, it, whatever around, around, yeah. <laughs> For whatever you you want to shout out to starch communities, I'm gonna shout out to the apple pie community because I have I have a full apple pie upstairs frozen that my mom gave me because I couldn't have any on Thursday. That is going in the oven tomorrow, and it's going to be amazing. So number two is apple pie. <laughs> oh, man. Do you want to do your number one, or do you want me to hit number two? Or my number, number one? Number one, cranberry sauce. That is <laughs> – don't look at me in the day like that. Cranberry sauce is Thanksgiving. I eat it once a year. You're prone to UTIs? Is that – No. What does that have to do with anything? You hate Thanksgiving? No, not at all. That's what I heard. <laughs> cranberry sauce, and I'm not talking homemade stuff. I am talking the stuff that comes in the 59 cents can mm-hmm. that when you dump it out still has it the jiggles, rings on it. Yes. It jiggles, yep. That is so good and so tasty, and I only eat it on Thanksgiving. So once which, a year. Which is obnoxious, right? I love it. I could go and buy it by the bulk and eat it every year. Nope, I won't touch it unless it's on my Thanksgiving plate. <laughs> And it's the number one thing I look forward to in Thanksgiving. Do you eat it alone or is it paired with like turkey? You take or... a little bit of turkey, a mm-hmm. little bit of cranberry sauce, just pure heaven in your mouth. I could also eat it alone, but it's just it's just amazing. So it's a mixture is what I'm hearing. There's a concoction well, and if, like a method to how you eat this cranberry sauce. I mean, when you look at the Thanksgiving plate, there are no boundaries at all. Everything's mixed in together, mm-hmm. but I will make sure that the turkey and the cranberry sauce are adjacent to mingle. each other. Mingle, yes. yes. I want to. I want to let that match up, brew. <laughs> oh, perfect! Actually, that you're mentioning cranberry sauce and how you only eat it once a year. Because for me, stuffing number uh, okay. one. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking. And I know that there are people here where it's not stuffing; it's dressing. Which what? What do you call it? Do you call it stuffing or stuffing? Dressing? Yep. I've always called it stuffing, but then um, previous employer, I was told that dressing is what it's called and not stuffing. But I don't, don't care. You don't put it on the turkey. You put it in, in the, the turkey. turkey. Yes. It's, the turkey is stuffed. So is it stuffing when it goes inside of the turkey and dressing when it's not in the turkey? So I've never heard it called dressing. 
But if they are the same thing, it has to be stuffing. I'm gonna ask because you, you stuff the turkey. That's what I'm thinking, and I'm 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 wondering if they're the same thing. It's just called something different based on where it is. Yeah, if you like drizzle mm-hmm. salt bay the yeah. turkey yeah. With, <laughs> with some stuff with, with some dressing. <laughs> we need a video of that, Alex, <laughs> of you salt baying your turkey. Um, stuffing for me. So again. I'm not talking about the fancy, like, homemade, I'm going to dry up some breadcrumbs, let them sit, and then, like, season them and make them. I have no idea what goes into that. You're talking about the box stuff. I'm talking about the Stouffer's Red, like, either chicken or turkey flavored. For me, I'm currently trying to lead a healthier lifestyle, so one of the things that I'll look for is the reduced sodium Mm -hmm. stuffing. But if, if, if I'm eating it once a year, give me the real thing. Like, let me let me get a box to myself for Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. I, yep. Uh, so so to me, yeah, it's crazy. I love stuffing. You love cranberry sauce. Once a year, and like, why? So cheap, and you and, can but, get it anytime. It's a dollar. I know, right? Like your cans, like fifty nine cents. Like I just bought stuffing. It was a dollar nineteen, and like, greatest stuffing ever. Like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, to me, like growing up, how I grew up, I've been accustomed to many things, uh, Stouffer's stuffing out of the box. Number one. Ooh, like I will eat that. Like in summer, it's a little tough. Like milk was a bad choice. Yeah. Stuffing was a bad choice when it's 85 degrees outside in mm-hmm. summer. Um, <laughs> but like in winter comfort food wise, that's your go-to. Give me, give me some stuffing. I think uh, if we're talking about weight, I'm. Yeah, you I'm, could use a little. I'm a. I feel like I'm a healthy weight. Uh, You're lean. Yeah, like come see me in March after like talking about stuffing the way I'm talking about it now. Bulk um, season. I might be doing hard, uh, seventy-five hard. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, everybody should do it. Uh, right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, do you have anything else? So we've gone through like overcoming challenges what it takes to be successful we've gone through our top five uh do you have anything else to add nope i don't think so let's uh we're we're just pushing two hours here oh my god wow it's yeah like like rogan says it's time warp it's time (laughs) warp for him so shout out to everybody who actually made it this far um so if you want to check us out mike's on twitter at mrk mikey you can follow Impact Sports on Twitter at Impact Sports Management. That's Impact without the A, Sports, MGMT. On the gram, Impact Sports underscore football. And then I have my daily newsletter on Substack. If you search Impact Sports Management, um, you should be able to follow it. So um, thanks again for all of you listening. Appreciate it. Um, anything else, Mike? No, yeah. I mean, shout out to the OGs that made it two hours. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That flew by. It did fly by. It was good. Um, okay. Well, thanks for listening. Um, check us out online, and I will talk to all of you on Wednesday, your Thursday, when you're listening to it, and we'll let Mike back for at least another episode next Sunday. Just month to month here. Yeah, we're going to uh, see uh, how it goes. Month to month is generous for you. We're right? going week to week? I think we're day to day on you. Okay. You got you got cool. big you got big shoes to fill. I'm I'm, I'm on a lot, prove it. I'm on a prove it contract. Yeah, and a I'm lot hearing. of people are probably clamoring for your job. I haven't heard from them directly, but they're probably wanting to talk to me. 
my seat uh, definitely in the hot seat, right? Yes. Cool. Yep. I'll 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 prove myself. All right. See you later, bud. <laughs> later, guys. <laughs>